Fun one for you today. Hopped on with Ryan from Locked On Nationals. We talked James Wood and Elijah Green. We talked number two overall pick. What should they do? Who should they take? And who are some sleeper prospects in the system? Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now I am joined by Lindsey Crosby from Locked On MLB Prospects. You can find him over on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Lindsey, how are you, my friend? Listen, it is this is the great time of the year. All the minor leagues are in full swing. You got rookie ball starting soon, and college is in the uh, the postseason and regionals. Great time of the year. Awesome time of the year. And obviously, Lindsey, we know why we brought you on here today, and we got to talk about our superstars down in the minor leagues. And we're going to start off with the number seven prospect in all of baseball with that being center fielder, James Wood getting the promotion to double a Harrisburg. And honestly, a kind of a surprising time at this point in Mm -hmm. his career. Not a lot of people, at least in DC were expecting this promotion this early. They were kind of thinking up in July, but he did get the call up to double a. What are your external thoughts about that? So I think it's something where, He's making the most of his time in high A. Like if you look, if you look at the batting average over forty something games, I mean two ninety three, three ninety two, five eighty, uh, twenty two extra base hits, and like five of those have been triples. So the power is showing up, the speed is showing up, uh, the strikeouts are high, forty nine strikeouts in in forty two games, but stolen bases are there. He's still an eight of nine, and it's something where you're working on the bat path, a little bit of work there. You're working on obviously the pitch recognition, dealing with, you know, staying back on secondary stuff, but you want to get him to double a because that's where you're going to see on average, the best pitching and the whole thing, well, a guy at six, seven, two forty, you got those long levers. So there's going to be holes in the swing. Every guy that's that big, whether it's a O'Neill Cruz and Aaron judge, all of those guys, we've seen that. And the pitchers in high A weren't quite good enough to fully take advantage of it. We did see him struggle a little bit, like the end zone contact rate dropped. He just had swing and miss in the zone because he had those holes, but he also wasn't seeing a lot of strikes. And so he wasn't really able to get better at uh, making contact on a, on a good pitch in the zone. So I think you needed to see him move to double A. And I actually like the timing because if he does well in double A, I could see a brief cup of coffee at the end of the year so that he's ready for a 2024 Rookie of the Year campaign. I'm not saying that's going to happen yet, but I think that's a realistic ETA if this promotion of AA goes well. And, you know, it's interesting you brought that up because a lot of people, including myself, like I, I kind of speculated. I'm like, I think the Nationals are intending if all goes well in AA, if everything, if, if his development continues on this path, then I would expect for him to be in the major leagues by who knows? I mean, September call-ups, obviously, that's usually the prime time for prospects like himself. Mm-hmm. He's only 20 years old right now. I believe he's turning 21 over this summer, if I remember that correctly. But September. Yep, September. So I think at this point, with what he has done, it would be a perfect time. But obviously, James Wood isn't even the only guy that we need to highlight for this prospect group. And that comes with someone like Elijah Green, top five pick in last year's draft, one of the higher ceiling prospects in my mind in the system what do you make so far of his slow start down in Fredericksburg so 
when you kind of look at, at what he's done, there's there's some explanations and some things to like, some things not to like. In the 40 games, he's batting 255, 370, 366. The power hasn't really came in like you expect. He's got two two home runs and 11 extra base hits. Uh, and then the, the strikeouts. You're looking at 26 walks to 72 strikeouts in 40 games. So uh, good and bad. Strikeout rate, obviously, is an immediate concern. And that's that's something where I think this comes along with it is his first exposure, short of 12 games in rookie ball, to professional baseball. And uh, I'm not as concerned about it right now because he has time to make this to make it better. And the payoff is definitely there. The power is when he, like, your power tool is only as good as your hit tool. When, the pow- when he's able to make contact, he's got 70-grade power. And the speed is there. We have seen that in the games. He's, he's on pace for like 75 stolen bases. He's 18 to 20 right now. That's pretty good. Uh, yeah, it's, it's not bad. He's, he's a really rare combination of speed and power. And so I like the fact the walk rate is higher than we expected. Obviously don't love the fact the strikeout rate is higher than we expected. I thought it was, it was high in rookie ball and was 40%. It's a little bit higher than that now. But I think a lot of it, unlike uh, Wood, I, th- I think a lot of this is, is mental. He gets out of his approach and he's almost a little bit too cautious when he has two strikes on him. And so he gets called out a lot by third strikes, like a called third strike, a strikeout looking, which is obviously frustrating for everybody involved. But it's something where it's not a mechanical issue. It's a pitch recognition issue. It's an approach issue. It's an aggressiveness issue that can be fixed with some more time in professional baseball. So I feel good about uh, Elijah Green's trajectory not being that different despite the slow start. Exactly. And, you know, Elijah Green, so far in the month of May, has been a little better in that department. Yeah. He's been drawing more walks. He's been kind of cutting down on the strikeouts a little bit. And really, as of the last week, he's really starting to see something click there. As I, <clears throat> as I know, he had multiple extra base hits here in mm-hmm. this past week. But Brady House is down there in Fredericksburg with him as well. And Brady House is one of my favorite sleeper prospects, you could say, <laughs> just because he's not really a sleeper. But a lot of people in this area in particular are excited about James Wood, Robert Hassel, Elijah Green. And I'm like, well, don't forget about Brady House, who is also a very high prospect. The Nationals are very high on him. And he's really starting to show what he can do down in Fredericksburg. What are your general thoughts on him? General thought, number one, never heard a top five prospect in a system called a sleeper. I've got some actual sleepers for you <laughs> yes. later. Uh, yeah. yeah, but no, no, no. Like, so, so 31 games in low A. Going back to Fredericksburg, I kind of threw out a lot of last year's stats because of the back injury. He, it, he wasn't able to hit for power. Didn't really look like the Brady house that we scouted going into the 2021 draft. And he looks more like that guy this year, 310, 388, 517, uh, five home runs, 13 extra base hits. So you like how often he's getting for He's hitting for extra base hits and then 15 walks to 29 strikeouts, striking out less than once a game. Kind of one of those milestones I look for, for a lot of those younger players, uh, I do think him moving to full-time third base was probably the best thing for his development versus, because we had a question the entire time. Was he good enough to stick it third or stick it short anyway? Go ahead and move him there now. Let him focus on getting his raw power into games and staying healthy. Obviously the back injury last year and then some other complications and things. But uh, I am heartened by what he's been able to do. I wouldn't be surprised if you see him once somebody pops in rookie ball and they need a spot in low A, I wouldn't be surprised if Brady House was the promotion to high A to clear a spot in Fredericksburg. 
That's a great point because at this point, I mean, <clears throat> obviously he was there at the beginning of last year in mm-hmm. Fredericksburg as well. And he, he started off really hot last year and then kind of fell off. But as we know, it was because of that back injury that was sustained a few weeks before he was shut down. I believe he tweaked it and then eventually it just ran loose on him. And obviously mm-hmm. those things happen, especially for a young prospect. But real quick on Robert Hassel. Robert Hassel is in double A as well with James Wood. He's kind of struggled since having some offseason surgery on that hand injury so far. But what do you make of him? Because in my mind, I look at Robert Hassel as the safest prospect in this national system. Yeah, I mean, the floor is definitely there, right? Like when you look at at him, you think the defense is at least above average, the speed, the arm. He's going to be able to stick in center field, right? Uh, when you look at what he's done this year in Harrisburg, 255, 366, 340. The power production hasn't really come in. He has seven extra base hits, but no home runs. Uh, 17 walks to 33 strikeouts. So he's he's drawing enough walks. He's not egregiously striking out. It is more than than once a game, so that's a little bit of a bummer. Um, but I I feel like the floor is high. And I feel like a lot of this is still him getting back from uh, uh, from the time that he missed. Uh, one for four on stolen bases. There's some sort of disconnect there. It tells me it's a little bit of, of of rust, a little bit of adjusting to the speed of double A and how much better the guys are there. But I'm still confident in Robert Hassel and what he can be. Again, I do like the fact that he's walked as often as he has. 17 walks in 24 games is a great ratio. You'll take that all the time. And so I think as he gets farther out from that procedure, he gets healthier. You're going to see more of that power show up. I still don't think the ceiling on the power is anything more than maybe fringe to average at best, but you'll see the batting average come up and you'll see him start to get a little bit more pop, especially if he pulls something. Absolutely. And, and you know, Robert Hassel, (laughs) I say sleeper just because it's like you have two big name guys with James Wood and Elijah Green. So I I always like talking about Robert Hassel and And actually as well. In their case, legitimately huge people. I mean, one of them oh, is yeah. six seven, legitimately oh huge. God. So absolutely. And the Nationals play the Philadelphia Phillies tonight at 705 Eastern Time. The Nationals, they're looking to take over that fourth place in the NL East, maybe. You can catch the Nats hometown broadcast with Sirius XM on the SXM app. Just search Nationals. All right, Lindsay. We're gonna get into the MLB draft here, but before we do that, I gotta tell you guys about our friends over at game time and have you guys ever been to a game last second like i do at nationals park and you don't have tickets game time is a place for you to get that because i was out there the other day i didn't have a ticket it was seven o'clock on the dime and i was like i need to get tickets i opened up game time at 702 i had tickets in hand ready to go i was in my seat at 707 it is that easy and i want you guys to take advantage of of the best ticket system out there. And that of course is game time with lowest price guarantees, event cancellation protection, job loss, job loss protection, and more. And guys snag the tickets without the stress with game time, download the game time app, create an account and use code locked on MLB for $20 off your first purchase terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code locked on MLB for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, always guaranteed. And now we get back into it as we are going to be discussing the MLB draft as the Nationals hold the number two overall pick. And Lindsay, you follow this thing just like I do as this is what I have been waiting for Mm -hmm. all 
season long, and the debates are already coming. I know uh, Locked On Pirates host Ethan Smith and I have been going back and forth on, and I, I keep on telling him, I'm like, man, Paul Skeen's looking pretty good. You better pass on that <laughs> Dylan Cruz guy. So obviously the Nationals are slated to take Paul Skeen's. And in the offseason, both you and I talked about that with Mike Rizzo, loving that right-handed pitching prospect who's throwing upper 90s, sitting upper 90s, really, and with the devastating breaking ball, which is what Paul Skeens has. So let's start on Paul Skeens first because that is the expectation. Am I right? Yes. Everything, like all the signs that we have says that Pittsburgh's probably going to take Dylan Cruz from LSU. He's a, he's projected to be the the best player in the draft. So he's the, the slam dunk number one, but we've seen random things happen before, like last year, whenever I thought it was Drew Jones. The thing with Paul Skeen, so I got a chance to actually watch him in person. He came to Auburn through, I want to say, seven and a third innings of maybe three hit baseball. Uh, it legitimately was one of the better pitching performances I have seen in college ever. Like not just this season, not just the last couple of years. I would remark how dominant he is in college to Steven Strasburg when he was in college. Uh, so Skeen's on the year in his 15 games, he's 10 and two with a one eight nine ERA. Uh, he struck Not out bad. 167 guys in 90 <laughs> innings. So like 16.6 <laughs> per nine. And he's averaged just over one walk per start, 17 walks in 15 games. Uh, watching him, the four seamer, 98, 99 miles an hour. He has a two seamer as well. Exact same velocity. Uh, I, when I saw him, I had a TrackMan dashboard on, like, in the press box in front of me. I watched him put three consecutive high 80s sliders at the exact same point down and away on back-to-back-to-back pitches. And then uh, being able to take a, like, a power changeup, it sits high 80s, and land that for a strike whenever he wants to, it's probably the three best pitch combination of pitches in the draft. I, I legitimately, I personally like Paul Skeens over Dylan Cruz. I'm one of the few that has that opinion. Some of that is colored by Dylan Cruz not having a great series when I saw him. But I think Paul Skeens is real. I think he's spectacular. And I don't. I think if you draft him in 2023, he's in your major league rotation by, barring injury, by the end of 24, if not the beginning of 25. And that is what is so like appealing about this for the nationals just because Mm -hmm. with this rebuild, what we have seen so far as nationals fans this season is that we really aren't that far off and the pitching has been great. Getting Mackenzie Gore, you got a Josiah gray really stepping it up this year. And obviously Jake Irvin has come in pitch well here and there. And Patrick Corbin hasn't been the worst starting pitcher in all of baseball. That's improvement. That's improvement. big, Big development for him. And so with Paul Skeens, the potential of him, and here's what is actually like scary about him. This is his first year as a full-time pitcher. What can this guy do once he has developed, and especially for a system like the Nationals, who, with big-time pitching prospects, they have done a very good job as far as developing them with Steven Strasburg, uh, Lucas Giolito back in the day. You could even pin him in that conversation as well. And the Nationals have done this well, and Mike Rizzo in particular has done this well. So I think a lot of Nationals fans are really giddy about what could be happening with Paul Skeens. Yeah, some of the background for fans who aren't quite sure. He transferred into LSU from the Air Force. And at Air Force, he was a DH, he played first base, and then he also also pitched. And so he had above average chase and strikeout rates, but he had tons of power and like profiled as a top five rounds 
pick as far as a first baseman in the DH as a power slugger. So you've got that to go along with the pitching. If you wanted to reintroduce that in the minor league level, you absolutely could. Uh, but it's just the, to see the fastball be as good as it is. I mean, it's 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 an 80-grade pitch. It is probably the best fastball in the draft. Uh, this, I'd have the slider as a 70-grade, and the changeup is somewhere between above average to plus. And having pitches that good and having that many together is incredibly rare. And that's those are the kind of grades that you put on a guy who you legitimately think could be an ace in the future. And I think it's a very fast rise through the minors. So if he's there, it's not even a debate. It's not even a question. If he's there, as soon as Dylan Cruz is off the board, if I'm the, the Nationals, I've got Skeens' name on the card already, and I'm at the podium handing that in. Absolutely. And th that's got to be the pick, in my opinion. But obviously, there are some experts out there who do believe the Nationals should and will go a different route as far mm -hmm. as taking an impact back. Like, well, it's just in this instance, Dylan Cruz is off the board, we'll say for now, but we're going to get into him just a little bit later on. But Wyatt Langford, the outfielder from Florida, and something about you, Lindsay, that uh, Locked On Nationals listeners may not know, you do cover baseball in the SEC. I believe you write for Auburn and uh, talk about their baseball team there. So you have all seen these guys in person. So what can you tell me about Wyatt Langford and what he does best? So Wyatt Langford is a probably one of the better, if not the best power hitter in the draft. He does very good at, at launching home runs to all fields. And I'd say his power tool is better than his hit tool. The only fantastic against fastballs, especially velocity. I haven't seen a, a fastball hitter like this in quite a long time. So very good against fastballs. Uh, he does struggle a little bit with like breaking balls on the outer half of the plate, but nothing you can't fix with a little bit of time. And then defensively, could play center field. He has experience as a third baseman, as a catcher in high school. I think he's probably going to end up as a corner outfielder, and I think he'll be an above-average corner outfielder. But look at what he did this year. 398, 521 with an 823 slugging in the SEC. 42 extra base hits in 51 games. Was, good, was almost good for an extra base hit per game and only struck out 36 times. So not a huge speed threat. He's got decent speed, uh, stole six bases, but really is just there to hit tanks and make plays in a corner, a corner outfield spot for you. And very advanced pitch recognition for the most part, except for that mechanical hole against breaking pitches on the outer half. And, and so a lot of people are talking about like this, how the Nationals should not be taking a starting pitcher in this round. And it's like you talk about Wyatt Langford and, and this Nationals farm system right now, they are loaded with outfielders prospects. And obviously I listen to you guys, uh, the professionals, the people who cover this. I mean, seriously, like this yeah. is what we do and this is what you cover. This is this is the stuff that you live for. And I just can't see us passing on Paul Skeens for even if Wyatt Langford is going to be a multiple time silver slugger. Like I, I, in my mind, Paul Skeens is a Cy Young type of pitcher. And when you have someone with that potential, you have to take them. Am I wrong? That's where I am with it too. And it's something where in the first round, I don't really look at position, right? Like I'm not, I'm not as concerned with positional need. Where is our system deficient? It's all about who is the best possible player that is a good fit for that team and what they're good at developing. And right now, I, and you did a great job of kind of explaining this. Like the, the Nationals have developed pitching very well, have developed college pitching very well, gotten them to the bigs. And we can include Cade Cavalli in there because he got mm -hmm. to the yep. bigs and appears 
like was was beginning to be successful before he got hurt. And so this is a, a chance to take a guy who could be a number one in a rotation at a position where you have proven to be good at developing. Let's not overthink this. Take Paul Skeens. Let's call it a day and be excited that we have added that sort of talent because your other option is a guy in Wyatt Langford that you have gotten outfielders to the bigs, but no other than Bryce Harper, who I think is a unique talent, no real standout. Like it's you know, Bryce Harper, Juan Soto, fantastic talents, obviously, but you didn't really have to do anything special for those guys. And you have a lot of other options at that position. Let's go with the, what I think is the better talent in Paul Skeens. And that's, I think that's the absolute point. You nailed it on the head right there because I just think the talent itself with Paul Skeens and really what I believe is that he has like a ceiling that isn't even touched yet just because of the fact it's his first full year as a full-time starting pitcher. Like absurd what he has done so far. But you guys can check out the Nationals playing the Philadelphia Phillies tonight. The Philadelphia Filthies is what I call them. Tonight at 7.10 Eastern Time. Catch every pitch of the Nats Hometown Broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Nationals. And after this, this is my favorite time. Lindsay and I get to geek out a little bit here and talk about some sleeper prospects for the Nationals. We're going to get into that after this. And now we get back into it. And Lindsay, as I said, this is one of my favorite times because boy, oh boy, do you go deep in on some of these prospects. You watch them, you study them. Just give me them all. Tell me who's some sleeper prospects of the Nationals farm system so far. So a guy, he was drafted very high. So he should be prominent, but he's not been. 2021 second rounder, Dalen Lyle. Uh, he missed all of 2022 because of Tommy John. He got hurt while he was warming up, right? And so you had 19 games from rookie ball, and that's the the entire, like, that's all of the professional games that he had. Well, right now, Loe Fredericksburg, he's, he's back this year, 38 games, 276, 368, 428. Three home runs, 14 extra base hits. Uh, and, and the thing here is, he struck out 34 times, so less than once a game. He's walked 22. So I, I like the pitch recognition, especially after missing an entire year. And almost perfect on stolen bases, 13 and 14. And I do think there's a little bit of a limit as far as what his power ceiling is going to be. I do think it's better than I think Baseball America and MLB Pipeline both have him as like below average power. I think it's going to be at least average. I like what I've seen from him. But the defense has improved as well. He really feels like he can be a left fielder that can lead off a high average on-base guy in the mold. I don't do a lot of comps on the show, but like a stylistic mold of a guy like a Stephen Kwan, who's going to give you a really good batting average, can run into a couple if you, if you leave some mistakes, but is going to be the catalyst for your offense. I've been, I don't think enough people are talking about the return of Dalen Lyle as a top 15 prospect in this system. And so a lot of Nationals fans, obviously he started the year scorching hot and mm -hmm. he's kind of cooled off just a little bit, but even then his numbers are really impressive. Nonetheless, is this someone that you could see being a top 100 prospect on most uh, MLB pipeline, baseball America? Is this the kind of guy that we could expect to see a pretty quick rise out of? By the end of the season, I think he could get there when they do their end of season re-rates, depending on, on how highly they've rated the top of this draft class. Mm -hmm. I do think he has the potential to get there. Now, sometimes those guys that are hit over power, 
sometimes they're not quite appreciated like they should be by your Baseball Americas, by your MLB pipelines and things like that. But talent-wise, I feel like he, he is worthy of a top 100 inclusion by the end of the season, provided he continues the trajectory that he's had in Fredericksburg. And I would assume what, next time he gets a heater, he's probably one of those guys they want to go ahead and get into high A, given that it is his third year of control at age 20. They're going to want to get him into a higher level of competition. But I do think he could be a top 100 guy by the, by the end of the year if it all breaks right. And, you know, there's another second-round pick who just got promoted yesterday up the high A, Wilmington, and that is second-round pick out of the 2022 MLB draft from Oklahoma, Jake Bennett, who, in my mind, I talked about him a few days ago on the show. I love what this guy can do. I've seen videos of him. I know some people down with the Fredericksburg Nationals, they love what that kid can do. So can you tell me a little bit about the promise that he has been showing so far in 2023? He's rewarded the Nationals for drafting him twice. He was a 39th round pick in 2019 out of high school. Uh, but no, so coming out of Oklahoma, like the story on Jake Bennett was big boy, right? 6'6", 235, but didn't quite have the velocity that goes along with that. He's ticked up a little bit this year on velocity, but his nine starts in low A right now. The record isn't great. One and three, we don't care about record in the minors, especially the low nope. minors. The, the defense is so bad. But one nine three ERA and 42 innings, 54 strikeouts, like 11 and a half per nine to only eight walks in 42 innings. And he's given up two home runs. I love the combination of weapons. And I also love how he uses them. So fastball, really good changeup and a sweepy slider. And usually those sweepers have one of the highest platoon splits of any pitch because it's such extreme movement to the glove side that it's hard to use it against a, a, a batter of the opposite handedness. He does a really good job at, at landing it for a strike against both. It's obviously more effective, uh, you know, against the same sided hitters, but he's got that changeup as well that does really well against righties. And so he can throw the sweeper to both lefties and righties. He's got the fastball really good up. The changeup is really good against righties. It gives him a kind of a unique arsenal because not a lot of guys can go to that sweeper in both situations. So I like that. I think if he could add a little bit of velocity where maybe instead of sitting 91, 92, if he can sit 94 or so, touching 97 with the deception he gets, the extension, which makes it all play up. I think you've got a guy that is has a higher ceiling than a number four, number five, but you're looking at like a number three pitcher especially if he develops something like a cutter. Mm -hmm. That's a great point, honestly. And obviously, Lindsay, we don't have all day here. We do have some limitations, but I do want to get into who's been hot and who's been not in this farm system. As obviously James Wood, you can say it now, he's been very hot. Am I right? James Wood has been very hot, uh, very excited again. I, I still think he's on track for a 2024 Rookie of the Year campaign. Going to be very exciting. Again, Dalen Lyle has been very good. Uh, the questions about Elijah Green, some some of the strikeouts. Again, I think mm -hmm. that's mental. A guy that I've been happy with some of the stuff that we've seen is Cole Henry. He's he's uh, he's back from thoracic outlet surgery. Yep. He started three times. It's like like eleven innings, uh, seven hits, one run. Uh, he he hasn't really had the full starter workloads, but I think that he's going to be able to start building up and getting deeper into games. And so I like the promise of Cole Henry, and I think he is still a legitimate big leaguer. Ceiling might be back of the rotation for now, but we'll see how he finishes coming back from that TOS. And, and there's really, with Cole Henry specifically, obviously 
the thoracic outlet syndrome surgery and and that scares nationals fans because <laughs> steven strasberg is going through that out. right now yeah and um at this point, it's you know I don't I don't I'm not gonna put any limitations on him or anything, but at this point, it's not looking good if he pitches again in his career. And obviously, we wish for the best with Steven Strasburg. But Cole Henry, when he's been healthy, he has been one of the Nationals' better farm or one of the better prospects in the system in my mind as far as when it comes to pitchers. But again, he hasn't really been healthy. Am I right? Yeah, that's the big part. Is just like you he he has to get healthy to get back to the form he had. And the good thing is. He wasn't a guy who just relied on one thing. He had a two-seamer, a four-seamer, a curveball, a changeup. And so you're not trying to get to some sort of exceptional level of performance on a specific pitch. You just have to get the arsenal working again where you can sequence it correctly. And I think that he's still on track to be a big leader because it's it's you're not having to go as far on the recovery to be able to throw 100 miles an hour again or something like that. Of course, and that's Lindsey Cro- Lindsey Crosby of Locked On MLB Prospects. I'm Ryan Clary of Locked On Nationals, and of course, the Nationals play the Phillies tonight at 7:10 Eastern Time. You can catch that game over on SiriusXM and the SXM app. Just search Nationals there, Lindsey. It's always fun getting to catch up with you, man. I hope you have a good one. All right. Thanks for having me. Thank you, guys, and I'll catch you guys on the flip side. Go Nationals.